Welcome to the Lewis and Broad podcast, streaming from the corner of Lewis and Broad Street here in LaGrange, Georgia. Lewis and Broad is a storytelling podcast where we share the lives and tales of people and local organizations from our small town. My name is Leighton Parker, the director of Lewis and Broad, and here are your hosts, Pastor James Goodlett and Pastor Jan Tolbert. Welcome everybody to the Lewis and Broad podcast. This is episode number 28. Season two, episode three of that season. My name is James Goodlett. I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church. Joined as always by my good friend and colleague, the Reverend Jan Stewart Tolbert. Jan, how are we doing today? James, it's been a really good day. I've had food on my mind all day long. I tell you what, that is the theme of this season, and we have we have eaten well. We'll talk a little bit about that here in a second. Leighton Parker, our director, is also with us and can't wait to introduce y'all to our guests. But what's going on, Leighton? Nothing much. Nothing much. How you doing? You still full from this morning? Very full. Let me tell you a little bit about what we did, y'all, today. I, I didn't realize this, that this is Pastor Appreciation Month. Didn't know there was such a thing, but I felt appreciated today. Did you feel appreciated today, I felt Jan? extremely appreciated. I am feeling the side effects of appreciation because we had a smorgasbord. That's not a word I think I've used very often on this podcast, but we had a smorgasbord of food. Today. We had a full breakfast that was oh my just gosh. beautiful. We had some French toast casserole, everything but the bagel breakfast casserole. You know, we Southerners, we love our casseroles. Yes, we do indeed. It's its own food group, I think. There was also some delicious fruit. I don't know if you had any of that, but... I I did have some fruit. I had to, you know, get a little bit of health in there. Right, me too. Don't forget the cinnamon rolls or the muffins. The cinnamon rolls and the muffins, which I believe came... From Sweet, Sweet Roast, Roast Cafe. Are they unofficially sponsoring this season? I'm beginning to wonder. We've mentioned them in every podcast thus far, but it, uh, unbelievable breakfast. And I am I think I'm going to need at least four or five more cups of coffee to get through the afternoon. Right. It was very nice, though. The staff here expressed their appreciation. Uh, one way that we always in the church love being appreciated is with food. That is exactly right. It is no small coincidence that Season two of Lewis and Broad is about food because we are people of the table and in the church and grateful for the opportunity to sit around and break bread with our folks here at the staff of First Pres. And appreciate all of you who have been listening and tuning in. Thank you so much. We've got some great things in store for you. I'll tell you a little bit more about them at the end of today's episode. But I would also direct you to our new website, lewisandbroad.org. That is lewisandbroad.org. Leighton created that website here in the last few weeks. We've got all of our articles on there, including the article that was written for this week's podcast. The subject of that article, written by Sherry Brown, is sitting here in studio with us. And her name is Shirley Strickland. Shirley is the owner, operator, chef extraordinaire of Shirley's Country Kitchen in Noonan, Georgia. And also of Shirley's right here in LaGrange. So Shirley, thank you so much for being here today. We are honored to have you. And I know Janet was saying earlier that she 
She remembers when you opened your restaurant up in over in Noonan, right, over Jan? Noonan, right, and it was just always a treat to get to go and have a meat and side vegetables, and I mean, it really took off pretty quickly. Yes, it did. So let's talk a little bit about it, Shirley, and, and before we get into the restaurants themselves and and how you got to that, because that's a really really interesting story. But tell us a little bit about life in Sharpsburg growing up and what it was like there. It was really nice. It was six of us, and I'm the baby of six children, and everybody had gone away, and I had to be the cook because my mom worked outside the home, and my dad, too, and he was a farmer also. It left me to get food on the table, and it was an experience because I would, they would give me like $25 and take me to the store, let me get whatever I wanted to cook. So my dad had different things that he really liked, and he would always ask me, will you cook me such and such a thing like banana pudding or sweet potato cobbler or sweet potato souffle because that's what he liked. And I would always go forward to that, although I would have meats and vegetables, but he really liked it that. So I kind of did a lot of experimenting and we would you know as young children we would play outside my cousin and I Sally we had made us a playhouse and I'm always the owner of the (laughs) business you know it was like a hotel and we'd get the old furniture that they would throw out and we'd just play and go on she said one day Shirley I said yes she says when can I be the owner? Oh, I said, later. But I never would <laughs> let her be the owner of the restaurant. So that's a lot of things where, you know, just come about and, you know. Yeah, you were kind of showing your entrepreneurship early on in your life of yes. being the owner. I was wondering, as I read the article and, and thought about, do you remember the very first dish that you ever prepared? Yes, I would do, like, banana pudding and Chicken and rice and gravy. Although, you know, we would go get chickens for like 39 cents a, a pound. Or really a whole chicken. Mm. And or either we go out in the yard and kill a chicken and we would cook that. And really we didn't have a lot of breakfast food because we would eat just whatever. You know, if we had to make up a meal like we would have grits. We would have tenderloin, you know, from the hog or whatever. And that is what we, you know, our things come up. A lot of times we didn't have gravy like you can just buy in the pack now. Mm-hmm. We would have to burn that gravy in those old brown skillets and different things. But then you have a sense of knowing how that you want to make this come out. And, and as we went along, then the food would just be taste. And the food would just come out like you wanted. And if it didn't, you would add a little bit more into it. So everything just, you know, worked worked in my favor. You said that you, as a young woman, you, you cooked basically out of necessity because you're the youngest of six. I was the youngest of six. Bless your heart. I, I'm the youngest of four, so I can somewhat relate to, you know, having all the big brothers and big sisters. But, but you kind of cooked out of necessity. And then took a liking to it. Did you love it from the beginning, or, or did you learn to love it? No, 
I really loved it because I liked to make him, my dad happy mm. because he, he loved food, and I just like to see him happy. So he'd be, he's happy once I cook. One of the things that Sherry wrote in the article about you, which I thought was quite telling, you said that you enjoy pleasing people while also pleasing yourself. And that's what you were just saying about when you saw how happy it made your father. Yes. That you were able to turn out these beautiful, delicious dishes. Then you derived your own joy and happiness from seeing other people happy. I really, just like my customers now, if I get in there and make something, I add something or I take away or I make a mistake. And I said, well, I try it just to see how the turnout come. So I tried it pretty good. Then that's what I do. I'll, you know, keep it. I hadn't wrote it down yet, uh-huh. but I would keep it in my head, and I'd just keep making that mistake if that was what it calls for. And just to make people happy, I'll go out and just let different ones taste it, my customers now, and they'd be pretty good, you know, pretty happy over there. And I like to see them, and a lot of time they'll come in and say, Shirley, do you have such a such a thing you made? Yeah. Can I get some? Okay. And that's that's the way it come about, just to make them happy. So how did it come about that you thought, you know what? I'm gonna do this as my life's work. And I'm gonna open a restaurant. What what got you to that point? Well, you know, I never did think that I was going to have a restaurant until my husband had this vision. And he said, Shirley? I said, yes. He said, God said, I had this vision. He said, go and, and ask Miss Bridges to let you have this bill. I said, no, I'm not going up there and ask her anything. He said, well, I'm going. I said, okay, we'll go on. So he went up there, and she said, well, it's another lady wanted it, but I'll let you have it if she don't come back. I said, okay. The lady didn't come back, and that's why we stepped in and we started. And we started cooking just a little at a time. Then people start coming, uh, my little state patrols and city police and different ones, they started coming, and I saw it was pleasing them, and we had those fried pies, and they were just really happy over that. And anything to enticing them, that's what we made and, you know, served them. Sure. Do you know your menus from day to day, or do you add things in regularly? Or I don't know it day to day unless just certain things that we have every day, like uh-huh. banana pudding, macaroni and cheese, and fried chicken. But then I'll lay down sometime at night, and I go over what I'm in my head. Okay, I'll do this, this, and this. Uh-huh. And I have my menu in my mind set when I hit in there, and that's what we do. We just go from there. I want to back up, though, just a little bit, because you said your husband had a vision. Yes. And this is actually, if you read the article, again, it's on lewisandbroad.org, and you can read all about Shirley Strickland and, and her restaurants. But but your husband goes on walks. It sounds like when, when these walks happen, sometimes he just gets visions. There was one related to your family, and, and, and there was one related to your restaurant. So when, you, when he first comes back and says, I had a vision— about a restaurant, what was your reaction to that? Was it shock? Was it, okay, that makes sense? Or how did you react when he said that? Oh, okay. That's the way I do whatever he just about tell me, you know. 
because he don't just say something to be saying it. But whatever he say, it's some truth behind it. And that's the way we do because, you know, God put us together and we, we stand on it. So you open Shirley's Country Kitchen up in Noonan and get things rolling there. And I got to tell you, Jan, I, I might still feel full, but I might be able to make some room for some banana pudding or some fried pies or something. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, I digress. So you opened Shirley's Country Kitchen in Noonan, and then how did it come about that you wound up expanding to LaGrange? Well, it was a phone call came through. My daughter came to the car, and she said, Mama, so you might want to answer this call. I said, okay. So anyway, it was a football player. It was his brother called for him, and he asked me did I want to open up at the old truck stop in LaGrange. I said, yes, I said, we'll do it. But that first time, it didn't go through. But, uh, I think they changed their mind, but they come back a second time. So we went in and start, we opened up. It was a little slow at first, but then it started growing. It's doing pretty good now. And you are here in the LaGrange restaurant most of the time, and you said your children are running the one in Noonan now? Yes. A family that cooks together stays together. And they can do it. That's great. You have taught them well, clearly. I, I love, when you read the article, the way that you describe some of your food. And so let me just read off some of the descriptions. It says in the article, customers rave about the fried chicken. They call it cocaine chicken. I just laughed out loud. And the banana pudding is off the chain and dangerous. Why do you think those two in particular are such powerful staples for you? Well, my dad, that's one thing I cook for my dad a lot. He loved it, those, you know, different items. And I think I had really practiced on it so long by me being a child growing up until I could make it to perfection for the other people. I think I did a good job for him. You've got it down truly to a science, but when you talk about thinking about the menu and all that, it's like you're an artist putting all this together. Shirley, I was wondering, too, COVID has changed so much in, in all of our lives, and it's particularly affected small business owners. And I was wondering if you would share a little bit about how it's affected your business. And When COVID hit, we noticed everything just went so far down. Customers weren't coming, and different things were happening, but we really actually didn't know what was going on. We knew everything was out there. As we sit there, it's less and less people start coming in, and it it can affect us pretty bad because we couldn't come to the point that we needed to. Then I had to, you know, try to go and get money to kind of stay afloat. So it was pretty hard. There's still a struggle to get, you know, the what I lost, trying to get everything back in order now still not is, you know, what I would want it to be. Personally, it was ugly there for a minute because my husband got really, really sick. Mm. But everybody else did good. If you look at it, people, and we try to keep everybody calm and ourselves too because I think it has messed with a lot of people's and some people, they are really, you know, 
they go off on you, but we try to keep everything maintained and still speak nicely and talk to the people nicely because we know it's an effect on us and them too. So that's one thing. We try to keep a positive attitude. Yeah, one thing that I think we've all learned via COVID is how much we need one another. Yes. We really, really do need one another. We are created for connection. We are created for interaction with our fellow sisters and brothers around us. And food is something that binds us all. We may not all like the same foods. We may not all cook the same foods. Food is an expression of our culture. That's what we're focusing on here. That's why we're focusing on this for this particular season. Because in the South, we do have a particular food culture. Anybody can relate to that because we all, at some point, we long to sit around a table or wherever it might be and to have those moments where we can connect one another over a meal. In fact, that's central to our tradition as followers of Jesus. Where did so many of his interactions take place? The table. So much meaning is forged at the table. I wonder if you have any moments in your own life where you you remember a meal or you remember time spent at the table. You know, we as a family and six six of us and my mom and dad, we sit around the table, especially in the mornings, like on Saturday or Sunday morning, because on through the week we had to, you know, go to school and all that different thing. But... Yes, we would sit, and Mom was a Sunday school teacher. We would pray together and eat our dinner or breakfast or whatever. Then all of us would go our ways and do what we needed to do. It brought calmness, love, and togetherness because everything we did, we did it together. And especially my oldest brother, he just he felt like he would take care of us then. But now he feel like I take care of him now. So he'll come meet me. He call it cross the country. But he said, I'll come see you across the country. Mm-hmm. And he come to LaGrange to see me. Well, and it has the power to bind people together, different beliefs, different races, different cultures. And you get to see, in, in many ways, through the eyes of somebody else. You, you get to experience, that when you eat someone else's food, you get to experience the world as they experience it through one of the most important things that we do, and that is sitting at a table, eating with other people. And, and COVID has, in many ways, we, we realize how much we missed that when we couldn't do that with one another. I remember the first time, first few times I went into a restaurant after COVID, it was kind of like a big deal. Yeah. Like, whoa. Yeah. Almost felt a little bit like, is this okay? But then it was like, wow, this feels so good to be here. Absolutely. One of the gospel writers talks about an encounter that the disciples had with Jesus, you remember, and they didn't recognize him? Yes. And then they had breakfast together, and it says they recognized him in the breaking of bread. And there was something about that table fellowship, the intimacy of it. I don't know, maybe it was actually the way he broke the bread, but their eyes were opened. And I think, Shirley, when I heard you talking about your family gathered around a table in the early morning on a weekend, and in some ways that we maybe don't name it that way, but truly, I think Jesus is present to us. 
even through our relatives and loved ones, as we sit around and break bread. Sometimes our eyes get opened, and that's a beautiful thing. Quote that kind of speaks to this. It says, a recipe has no soul. You as the cook must bring soul to the recipe. How do you feel like your food is an extension of, of your soul, of who you are? This is the way I really feel about it. This is something that God has given me, and I like to share with everybody else. And I think when it's a togetherness in the restaurant, because a lot of people come and we'll sit and we'll talk on different occasions. And I just think it just brought something in. Well, it brought Jesus in there, but, you know, he's already there anyway. But it just brought more of a togetherness like in there. And then I guess you would call that soul, wouldn't you? Mm. Okay. I think you would call that soul. So let's get down to the nitty-gritty then. What do you love to cook the most over at Shirley's? I like baking cakes. There's a couple of things I really like. Macaroni and cheese and the cocaine chicken. That oh. cocaine chicken. <laughs> We're going to go for lunch. <laughs> we are going to eat some cocaine chicken. Shirley, I feel like I need to confess to you that I do not enjoy cooking. Really? I do not. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's mainly the reason is you have to clean up. Who cleans up at Shirley's? I'm wondering. You know what? I clean up, but the hot stuff, somebody else clean it up. <laughs> Good deal. Well, you're the boss. Yeah. You're still the boss, as you always have been. So that's great. When we come over to Shirley's here in LaGrange, you would recommend we get some cocaine chicken. Yes. Some, some mac and cheese. Some mac and cheese. And what else? Some banana pudding, it sounds banana like. Banana pudding and... And I'm gonna try a turkey wing. Okay. Yeah, I feel like we've gotta we gotta do that. Yeah, come on Thursday. That's when I cook turkey wings. So. Thursdays you cook turkey wings. Yes. And I feel like another thing. This this jumped out to me and Jan. I've heard of sweet potato casserole. I've heard of sweet potato pie. I've never heard of sweet potato cobbler. I think the casserole is the same thing as sweet potato cobbler. Just bread and sweet potatoes and. A little pure butter. A lot of people don't like meat. Well, I don't know if they know what it is. But pure butter and vanilla flavor change the whole taste. It's really good. Mm. Well, some you know, sweet potatoes are, there's a rivalry about them, I, I feel like. Because some people, when it comes to their sweet potato casserole or pie or, or cobbler, some people are pro-marshmallow and some are anti-marshmallow. Do you have any kind of topping on, on yours? No. Sweet potato pie, if you take it and, you know, beat it up. You put marshmallows on it. But a sweet potato cobbler, you don't you slice it up and put cook it and let the juice come out of it. You put your sugar and your flavor and your peanut butter and you cook it. Then you roll out your pie crust and put it on top. And you bake it to its heart so it'll be done on the bottom and on the top. Okay, and I have to say that when I read the article that Sherry wrote about y'all, I was craving that banana pudding. Can you say a little bit about your process making that banana pudding? Oh, it's old-fashioned. I've never just made it from box. We just use canned milk, evaporated milk, sugar, eggs, and just cook it. I learned a different way. Mama just stand there and stir and stir, put everything in, and the flour would stick. But I don't do that. I just cook mine. Then I add the thickening to it. And let it come to the desire I want it. 
and I want it real smooth and not over thickened. I love it. Oh my gosh. I know. I, I, I can't <laughs> talk about it anymore. Seriously. <laughs> oh my goodness. And you get in every morning. What time you get in every morning to make those biscuits? I get hit about seven thirty. Be ready to open at eight o'clock. Well, if we want to find out, want to go to Shirley's Country Kitchen in Noonan or Shirley's right here in Lagrange. How would they find you? What are your hours? In Noonan, from eleven. They don't serve breakfast in Noonan, but from eleven to five, and Lagrange eight to five. And Noonan is fourteen eighty five Highway thirty four East, and Lagrange is twenty five sixty Whitesboro Road. So just right across the interstate from Great Wolf Lodge. Yes. So if anybody's here visiting Great Wolf Lodge and you want to go get some breakfast, cross that interstate and go see Shirley. Right. You're right. They can find you on Facebook under what Shirley's Country Kitchen. Shirley's Country Kitchen. Well, Shirley, we love having you in studio. Thank you. Can't wait to get over there and eat some food. All right. And love your story. Everybody check it out again on lewisandbroad.org. And go support Shirley and, and her one of her couple restaurants either here in LaGrange or over in Noonan. Next week for episode number 29, we will be talking about a farmer's market here in LaGrange. Adam Roberts, chaplain at LaGrange College and one of our contributors, will be telling their story. And the farmer's market... Have you been to the farmer's market here in LaGrange? I haven't. You got to do some homework. You got to go over there. That place is awesome. It is really, really, really cool. We're going to hear a little bit about their story, farmer's market here in LaGrange, and we'll have some folks in studio. Look forward to that. Leighton Parker, thank you for all your work in arranging these amazing stories. Jan, as always, good to sit in studio with you. Good to be with you, James. We hope you will remember who and whose you are, and until next time, y'all, take care of yourselves. Thanks for joining us this week on Lewis and Broad. Make sure to visit our website at fpclagrange.org slash lewisandbroad where you can read our articles and subscribe to our show in iTunes and Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Until next time.